your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Kind of sounds like an alarm, like the thing isn't working. There we go. I feel like the alarm on my clock is going up and I have to going off and I have to wake up now. Oh, I'm not woken up yet. I took a nap. <laughs> Had to do Hayes' show. We're done doing Hayes' show for a while. Okay. Not in general. I am, though. Me and Ken. <laughs> Ken and me. Ken and me, yes. I was okay. thinking, is it Ken and I or Ken and me? Ken and me. Um, Hayes should be back on Monday. All right. All right, that's UW Lacrosse political science professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski. Happy Friday, Rick. This is his favorite, second favorite Christmas song. No, I have no idea. Probably not even top five. So I don't know how I would rank them, but I would say there are two Andy Williams songs, and of course the one Mariah Carey song in my top three. We don't mention. Her. <laughs> now there was that story in the Wall Street Journal saying that. The Mariah Carey song, All I Want for Christmas is You, is driving retail workers bananas this holiday season because they're hearing it approximately five times an hour. <laughs> That's a lot. Five times an hour. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Here's the problem with the Wall Street Journal is I can't read it because oh, I don't okay. have a subscription. I don't like you hit the one a month or whatever yeah, and then you're yeah, done. Yeah. Although some every, every time I bring this up, somebody... To somebody, they they send me some sort of link that'll allow you to bypass the yeah yeah the uh, the paywall, I guess. I guess for retail workers, if it wasn't bad enough to be working retail, um, I mean, this time of year, not a great time in general to be no. working retail, given the certain mannerisms and attitudes of the people who are the customers. But that being said, you also have to endure the same five Christmas songs over and over and over again. <laughs> was there a list? Was there a list of the other ones? Do you remember? It was the Mariah Carey one that by far is getting on right. the nerves of retail workers the most. Unbelievable. I can't believe that. <laughs> Stupid Myra. Oh, I want for Christmas. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. All right. So on the list today, Chagoski met with... Uh, Congressman-elect, U.S. House Rep-elect Derek Van Orden this yeah, week. Yeah, had a very nice meeting with Derek Van Orden on Wednesday. Um, and let's see, we've got Ron Kind news. Ron Kind is the uh, predecessor, right? Is yep. predecessor the right word to Derek Van Orden? Still there for a couple he might weeks not, yet. He might not admit that because he just probably doesn't want to be affiliated in that regard. Um and what what would you did you say something was there something about Ron Kine and Van Orden have never met or talked or besides being a, a Zoom besides a Zoom debate two yeah two Ron Kind Ron Kind was on a podcast with Wiz Politics and the reporter asked him well it's, ha- it's Wiz Politics you, you made it W H I Z Wiz Politics it's <laughs> <laughs> a whole different politics show Wiz which is kind of you know what we could start a podcast Wiz because, Politics because it's all the 
pissy politics that are out there. And that's kind of what we do on a Friday. This is the Wiz Politics Friday Roundup. Here's who's pissing on who today. He was asked if he had spoken with Derek Van Orden. Ron Kind was. And he said that he had not spoken with Derek Van Orden. Also said that Derek Van Orden had not reached out to him. Now, Derek Van Orden then followed up with some tweets that showed some screenshots of his staff reaching out to Ron Kind's staff. I don't know exactly what that was all about. Didn't see the full context, but certainly Ron Kind is no fan of Derek Van Orden. They have not directly spoken. Let's just say the two of them, maybe their staffs have spoken, but the two of them have not spoken. I I doubt that they will. We know that Ron Kind is looking at a job with the Biden administration after he leaves Congress in very, very early January. What is it with congressmen and and just you, you paw, pawning off the whether it's I didn't get to the vote to vote down daylight savings or I didn't know that those electoral ballots were fake and supposed to go to my they always pawn off the blame to their secretaries or whatever their handlers is what I like to call them and now we have Derek Van Orden. Or Ron Kind, if you want to, like, oh, we reached out to him. Well, did you or did your staff reach out to their staff? And then the staff just ignored it because they kind of know what you do and do not want. You know, they kind of, they probably take into account, like, eh, he's probably not going to want to. The transition is really important, Rick, because they have casework, they have constituent service that needs to be done. And Ron Kind's staff has, has certain files, certain cases open regarding the needs of the people in this district. And in order to ensure a smooth transition, cooperation between the two staffs is very important. I just don't know if that's happened yet. We do know that Kind and Van Orden have not directly spoken. I don't know what's been going on with their staffs. I have no inside knowledge of that. But a smooth transition is key just for the sake of those bread and butter, meat and potatoes, cut through the red tape, get people what they want, those kinds of issues related to the constituent services and the overall services that members of Congress have to offer the people they represent. All right, so you met with Van Orden, you and Tim Dale. You mm-hmm. knew, uh, all, Tim Dale, also a political science professor. Can we get into you? Because Derek Van Orden kind of threw UW lacrosse under the bus when it came to, hey, we're going to host a debate. And they were like, mm, you're biased. We don't, we, we don't want to do a debate through you because you're a, a lefty liberal Democrat and you're just going to make me look bad. I mean, can we talk about this? Like sure. the, the awkwardness of maybe sure. going into that conversation? Okay, when we come back, we'll talk about that. Back to lacrosse talk PM. It's PM now. 608 785 UW Lacrosse, political science professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski in here with me. We're going to talk about your meeting with Eric Van Orden in a minute, but Eric from Sparta has been waiting patiently. Eric from Sparta, go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, I couldn't be happier that Ron Kind is gone. He's destroyed his country. He's unresponsive and any requests for million to him. He does not like me. He hates Republicans. And you are a liberal, and you... Okay, so it's just very productive. Uh, he's destroyed <laughs> the country. I feel like I, th- I feel like he's been in office for 26 years. Is it a slow... Is it a trickle? Yeah. A trickling of destroying the country? <laughs> so... So eye-rolling. Uh, like, both sides. 
destroying the country. The other side is destroying the country. Like whatever, whatever side, like enough with the, they're destroying the country. Like, what are they doing? Taking a hammer to the country? We're destroying it. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to get on board with me in, in Congress, destroying the country, it's when they spend $850 billion for the military next year. So that's that's not destroying the country, but that's uh, making destroyers for the country. Literally, uh, multi- many ships are being built uh, because of, quote-unquote, China. Um, all right, so you you met with Van Orden. First of all, how did, how did they reach out to you, and did you think it was a prank? <laughs> <laughs> it was someone from his campaign who got in touch with me asking if I would want to have a chat with Mr. Van Orden and had the chance to meet with him in person with Professor Tim Dale is another political science professor. for Tim as well? No, no. Uh, Tim and I kind of split the political commentary duties in the political science department at UWL. So I said, ah, it'd just be very useful for us, for both of us to get to know Mr. Van Orden because we're often asked to comment on him and we can comment much more right, in, in a much more informed manner if we've actually gotten to sit down so with him and get to know him. What I'm hearing is Van Orden reached out to talk to you and then you were like sure i'm gonna bring backup <laughs> i have to bring a witness no i'm just kidding uh but not really you did bring a witness you brought backup okay so you guys talk um and well, because i mean you, you gotta you go know that tim is a political philosopher so yeah. if we just need someone to uh, I, I get having both you, you know, guys i mean you could yeah. have every you could have joe hein come as well but yeah, he did, he's been well retired out of uwl so he's kind of out of the loop there, even though I bring him on, and, and Hayes brings oh, him on more. we love Joheim. We love Joheim. Um, okay, so you got to be a little nervous and, and a little bit like, what is this? Gonna, what is going to go go on here? Because Van Orden very publicly threw UW Lacrosse under the bus when it came to having a a a, a what do you want to call it? A fair debate, I guess, because you had debates everywhere else, but yeah. and you had a debate two years ago between Ron Kine and Van Orden. Yeah, Rick. You know, we this was a big issue during the campaign. Normally, we have a system locally where UWL provides the venue. Either me or Joe Heim is the moderator for the debate, and then we have a panel of media members. You've been on did debates you, like this. Did you figure out how, like how many years back it's been since a, you you've a hosted the debates and b the the a U.S. House rep has refused? Yeah, you know Joe Heim. I talked to Joe Heim about this, and he just said that it's been a long-standing tradition. And we talked about how Steve Gunderson, the member of Congress for this district before Ron Kind, would participate in debates. Steve Gunderson made some really interesting comments saying, look, you know, he really wanted to battle for those independent swing voters in this district. And he felt that participating in debates would be a great way for him to reach out to those undecided voters who could make the difference in a close election. His view of this district is that the people here are independently minded. They don't necessarily vote the party all the time. They want to get to know the candidates. They're willing to vote for maybe a political party that they don't always vote for if they really get a good sense of who this candidate is, what his values are. And so Steve Gunderson, the, again, the congressman for this district before Ron Kind. Over that, a quarter century ago. Is he a re- yeah, Republican or a Democrat? A, a Republican. Yeah. And, and so actually, Derek Van Orden getting elected is 
quite an interesting moment because for the last four decades, we've only had two members of the House for this district. Steve Gunderson, a moderate Republican, Ron Kind, a moderate Democrat. I mean, some well, people... how long did Gunderson hold off? Gunderson was elected in 19, the 1980s. Oh, so wow. he was there for well over a decade. And then Ron Kind was elected in kind of the mid to late 90s and was, uh, uh, you know, is going to continue to serve up until early January of next year. 608-785-7914. I don't know if I held the mic down long enough there. Might, you might have caught the end of that call. Um, okay, so you go into the meeting, and, and what was it like? I mean, did did Van Orden yell at you guys for being biased or anything like no, that? No, no. Uh, well, first of all, we had some swag to give him, and we took a picture with a UWL pennant, and that got posted on Derek Van Orden's social media. I will say that he says that, uh, according to his Facebook page, Tim and I get serious props for our work. So believe me, I'm going to use that quote for a long time now. He also referred to Tim and I as the political science dudes at UW Lacrosse. So we are going to fully embrace that title as well. So it was a very friendly meeting, Rick. And what I found, and I've, and this is the first time that I've been able to talk with Derek Van Orden at length. It was so illuminating to hear about his experiences in the military, his perspectives on the things that happened in the campaign, his perspectives on being at orientation for Congress and going into Congress. So different than the 30-second advertisements that were such a dominant feature of the campaign. I've now spoken to Brad Paff at length and Derek Van Orden at length. And I just genuinely like both of them. I know that's not going to make me popular with the left or the right to say that I genuinely like Brad Paff and Derek Van Orden. I don't agree or disagree with them. I don't state my political positions publicly, so I'm not going to comment on if I agree mostly with Brad Paff or if I agree mostly with Derek Van Orden. But what I will say is that just talking to them, they just... My impression of both Brad Paff and Derek Van Orden is that they're really good people who have really strong values and really want what is best for America, and that neither of them is out to destroy America. I mean, you might disagree with them, but they're not out to destroy America. Well, Brad Paff and Van Orden aren't. It's Ron Kine that's out to destroy America. According to Eric from Florida, yeah. And he's he's done this in a trickle-down fashion because he's been in Congress for 26 years. And now he's going to destroy America from inside the White House under Joe Biden directly. Ron Kind is. It's so indicative of the political divide in this country, Rick, because there's a version of Derek Van Orden that you see – on the 30-second ads. That's that's the Rick Solom eye-rolling version. I'm be like, oh, yep. Lord. There's a version of Brad Paff that you see on the 30-second ads. That's the Rick Solom eye-rolling version. Also it's the like, Rick Solom oh, eye-rolling version. There is a completely different side of them that you see if you just talk yeah, to them. Yeah, because we're length. all people. Absolutely. When it comes down to it, if you you know, like you talk to them about something else, and then you, you kind of get to know these people. And, and at the end, I mean, you know, of course we did have our differences. And Mr. Van Orden has concerns about higher education that reflect the broader conservative concerns about higher education. And Tim and I were very sympathetic to that. I mean, we said, look, our perspective is different because we are faculty members here. So we have a different view of things than you do. That's not to say that either of us is wrong. Because you're a bunch of liberal transgender (laughs) groomers. You know, we, we just said, you know. It's not that either of us is wrong. We just have different perspectives because we have different positions here. Okay, so when you go, you come out of that conversation with uh, Congressman-elect Derek Van Orden, Mm -hmm. 
you you come out and you go, okay, this is a person that I didn't know, and now I feel like I know them. I like them a lot Absolutely. more than I did before. Absolutely. On the flip side, does Derek Van Orden come out of that conversation and go, man, I didn't like that Tregoski and Tim Dale guy, but after this conversation, you know what? I, I kind of like these political science dudes. Well, he did call us political science dudes. He did say that they get serious props for their work. On his social media, he said, I am looking forward to growing the relationship with the university staff and students and meeting with the rest of our universities in the third district. It's so important, Rick, that we have conservative allies in higher education. And so for us, I mean, again, we didn't ask for this meeting, but we did view it as an opportunity to just make a real personal connection and to get to know people on that personal level that goes beyond the caricatures of Derek Van Orden in the media that goes beyond the caricatures of university professors to get to know people beyond how we are portrayed in the caricatured version. Can I, can I do the conniving politician take? Oh, sure. Derek Van Orden has to do this because he watched the last election and he went, wow, the college kids are voting. They're Mm -hmm. more, they're more Mm -hmm. into whether it's social media or just Donald Trump in general, we've talked about it at, at nauseum. Um, so he's, he needs you as an ally. Now he needs you guys to say positive things. He needs to come at you as a person because he needs college voters to see him in a light that isn't this maybe commercial that we're kind of all, I think young people might just kind of be sick of this where the older generation might be used to these political ads. Cause yeah, you always say yeah. the attack ads work, but maybe they don't work for a younger generation. I don't know if we've studied that. yet. I think there's something to that, Rick. I think that different generations respond differently to different advertising techniques. So, what might work for one age group might not work for a different age group. Because we've seen in a sheriff's race, we've like literally just pointed to the UW lacrosse campus yep. and and kind of blamed students for yep. electing a Democrat Absolutely. as a sheriff. And Van Orden, maybe Van Orden just sees that story and goes, oh, maybe I need to become a little bit friendlier with the UW lacrosse campus because, oh, there's a whole swath of voters there that I I have to get in two years because the Brad Paff race was way closer than anyone predicted. Yeah, and, and you know, that was a friendly disagreement we had. Uh, he says that his modeling indicated that the race would end up at a 3.7% margin, which is where it ended up. So he said that his modeling internally in his campaign was spot on. Obviously, the numbers that I saw and the statistical work that I did told a different story. Again, I'm not saying that anyone here is wrong. We're just working with different data. I, I don't and different really want to know what you, I want to know what Tim's modeling because Tim, <laughs> well, no, I'm just kidding. He's a philosopher. <laughs> I, <laughs> that I, philosopher. I don't even want to begin to know what his his analysis was. He's probably Something using related like to Plato, well, he's probably, probably. using using like <laughs> celestial signs and uh, we're in Aquarius moon here. I, and I'm that sure means- Aristotle had something to do with his <laughs> modeling. One time in college, I said Socrates. Ooh, yeah. Not Socrates. <laughs> I said Socrates. <laughs> but, but Rick, you know, I, I think it was just an opportunity. And, and I told him this, that, you know, we're extending a hand of friendship to you, Mr. Van Orden. And I thought that that's what we accomplished. And, and, and we genuinely want these allies. You know, Rick, one thing that kind of came up in the meeting was how we've had really strong support from other Republicans for UWL, like Dan Kapanke and Tommy Thompson, how they made a video for us to support our new science building project. And that was really meaningful because we need allies from across the political spectrum. And all, all told, we, you know, one other thing, Rick, we talked about 
rejuvenating the college Republicans. We know the that was my next question yeah. because the chalk, uh, what was it, anti-Semitic it remarks? Kanye was right or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the the party leader at UW Lacrosse for the Republicans stepped down. Yep. Has has anyone been repl- have they replaced that person? Has anything happened there? So. I don't know. Well, we'll just say you're in charge of the the political party, the political parties on campus, the student parties, yeah, right? You know, right now I'm in a little bit of a holding pattern because I am always willing to work with the conservative students on our campus. I love working with our conservative students. I'm also the faculty advisor for the College Democrats. Yeah, and I'm a faculty advisor for a nonpartisan political group. Yeah, as well. you head all the the student yeah, bodies. Yeah, yeah, Rick. And the reason that we're in a little bit of a holding pattern is because the leadership of the group has just really fallen apart for the college Republicans at UWL. And so we just want to see, you know, I expressed this to Derek Van Orden and his new district, Ted, in in the meeting, that we just really need to press the reset button. And we talked about how important it is for conservative students to have a voice and a say on a college campus and how that's something that in political science we really care about because we care about students of all political backgrounds and all political views. And so I think we just kind of have to hit the reset button on that. Of course, I want to be part of that. I really, really do, because I care about our students all across the ideological spectrum. Most political views. I mean, there's like, (laughs) I I support... There there are some that are kind of out of bounds. I support Nazis. You probably don't want to affiliate with them. We'll probably not have uh, that group. All right. We got to take a break. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. If you want to get in here, you to be Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski coming in here spreading his liberal propaganda. Um, all right. We got big news and it, it's really very in, in uh, it's world news and it's based in Wisconsin. It is. And it even has its own band. Um. Yes, it does have its own band. Yes, <laughs> I don't know how many people oh, are just be like great '90s band. <laughs> yeah, we haven't yeah. played. We usually go '90s music. I don't know why, because you were like three in the '90s. I feel like at oh, one point. Oh no, I, I grew up in the '90s. I didn't get into music till I was like 10, 11, something like that. But my okay. brother, but I had an older brother that was like five years. So all my music is like five years ahead of what I should be. Oh, okay. So I'm listening to like Def Leppard a little earlier than maybe most people. Man, this, they really. Take their time getting into this. Here we go. Now, does Tammy and Ron Johnson play this in the background? They should. This is a very like bring bring it together. Yeah. A couple of senators who are the most in the in the the world of politics in all of history. Are there two politicians? And I, I guess I don't know where else you could make the comparison. I, I mean, I guess you could go. When Donald Trump says he was the best president, better than Washington and Lincoln, Donald Trump literally said that yesterday or the he day did, before. Yes. Yep. Um, so you could just go maybe Washington or Lincoln is the opposite of Donald Trump, something like that. Like you could just pick a president in Donald Trump, Barack Obama and Donald Trump, mm-hmm. maybe more opposite than Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson, but I'm not so sure. The only way, uh, the only way that. It would be better as if Tammy John Tammy Johnson, <laughs> Tammy Baldwin, Ron Johnson was a you know, one of them was not white, you know. Um, okay, so, but they came together here and they play they play the cranberries, let it linger. They do, and and they're trying to pass cranberry legislation. You know, Rick, this is something that we have often wondered about. 
given how incredibly different Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson are, their political backgrounds, their perspectives on the issues, their ideology, do they their sexual talk? preference? Yeah, <laughs> I it's, mean, like, just... it's like do they talk? Like work together on things? It's something that we've often wondered about, and we have an answer, at least as it pertains to cranberry policy. This is this is earth shattering. Not that not that they're working together, but what they're trying to propose here is is like, wait, what? Cranberries? What? So here's the thing, Rick. The Food and Drug Administration. They want the Food and Drug Administration to amend its proposed definition of healthy. Here's the problem. The Food and Drug Administration's proposed definition of healthy would exclude most cranberry and tart cherry products. Now, as we know, Wisconsin is the nation's leading producer of cranberries. It harvests 59% of the country's crop. World. I believe it's the world, not the nation. It's the world. I mean, impressive that one state harvests over half of all the cranberries. And I think it's all in in Toma. Yeah, it's all all the cranberry marshes are. No, I'm just kidding. But that, I, I feel like a majority of the cranberry marshes are in Toma. So if cranberries and tart cherry products are no longer labeled as healthy, you could imagine that that could affect sales. Well, why the bleep are they not healthy? Like well, they, that's what cranberries I was are in everything. We need that Mayo Clinic nutritionist that you had on to ask him if cranberries are healthy. Cran- there's um, cranberries. There is a comic. I'm going to forget his name. I'll, I'm going to look it up in a minute here. But he he does a whole bit on cranberries. He's like, cranberry has the best PR manager in the history of the world because cranberries are in everything. Cranberries are in uh, your apple juice. Cranberries are in your grape juice. Cranberries are in your cereal. Cranberries, you know, cranberries are are getting into fried chicken now. I don't know. I mean, there's cranberry salad. I had to I looked on the menu at Culver's and there was a cranberry salad. I was like, what is that? I don't even. And then, you know, like cranberries are a staple on the played at thanksgiving even they come in a can and it looks like gooey gross jello and they're not healthy what is going on this is like this is like saying milk isn't healthy so tammy baldwin and ron johnson both signed a letter along with some other senators saying that decades of research demonstrate that these fruits can be part of a healthy nutrient-rich diet and can play an important role in improving the diets of many Americans. So we found an issue where Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson see eye to eye, that cranberries are healthy and ought to be recognized as such by the Food and Drug Administration. What we need to do is go to, is it like open sources or like Big Cranberry in Wisconsin? How much are they funding this these campaigns? Oh, yeah. Ocean spray. That's, that's it. Every time I drive home, I drive by this big ocean spray plant. And how much money, how many millions of cranberries are they sending to Ron Johnson and Tammy Baldwin? How many cans of cranberries does it take to get a senator to sign on to one of these letters? Um, but that is weird. So cranberries aren't healthy, according to the FDA. I mean, that's kind of the news. That Tammy Baldwin yeah, and Ron Johnson kind of weird, are weird, right? It, it, it kind of makes sense that Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson work together on stuff because that, like, there's some easy political stuff to to just go. Oh, yeah, we can see eye to eye on oh, oh, Nazis are bad. We, oh, wait, we can't do them. Um, and Rick, this is the kind of thing that the two parties really can work together on, because whether or not cranberries are healthy is not an ideological issue. It's just based on the industry pressures. 
is based on the Food and Drug Administration's judgment. Well, I want to know, are they healthy now? Because well, I'm not well, so yeah, sure. Now, now I want to know. Because, A, do I trust the FDA? Because sometimes, you know, you yeah. can't always trust the FDA. Because because the government uses stuff like body mass index to, to measure, like, how, if you're overweight or something. Do you know about this? Sure. The BMI index. And it's so archaic and, like, yeah, not scientific. It, it and it doesn't work, but we still use it as a standard. We could get Tammy Baldwin and Ron Johnson to work on that as well. But, like... The idea that cranberries aren't healthy, like maybe they're not healthy. I don't know. Are they just floating? Because when you, the cranberries, you grow them in a marsh. Okay, you, let's both cough. Let's you, both cough. Yeah, right. You grow them in a marsh. <laughs> and then uh, you grow them in a marsh. And is the marsh, because in Toma, there are some I've ponds that. over they're, they're there really that are, cool. that are but, but are they growing in PFAS water? Or, yeah. you know, like, I don't know if that, like, obviously I'm making a joke there, but like, okay, I, I want to know. I guess we have to have someone on the FDA. We to- need, we need an objective observer here. Someone who is an expert in nutrition, who is not in the pocket of big cranberry. Yes. Who can tell us the truth about if cranberries are healthy. Now, can we trust somebody from a giant healthcare industry? Well, you know, like- well. I mean, is Ocean is, is, is Ocean Spray putting money into the mail well, clinic? To, that's what I mean. What is that website? That is it open sources. There's one yeah, that just yeah, yeah. that tracks all the uh, the campaign financing. Yeah, for everything. yeah. Now that would be really interesting to see if the big cranberry companies have donated to Baldwin and Johnson. To Baldwin and Johnson, and then all the uh, healthcare industries, because well, apparently not, because they're not doing a good enough job to say that they they haven't gotten their mitts into the FDA's campaign fine i don't know correct who, i don't know how you you uh corrupt the fda into you know i, I mean there's well, must be ways it how, must be easier in fact because milk is healthy apparently how you corrupt the fda is well it's a little through tr- politicians right it, yeah it's a little tricky you, you do it through politicians and you can also offer them the promise of a lucrative position once they leave government so that's oh, one yeah. way to do it just like ron kine Wait, he's not well, really no, leaving. He's, he's not he's leaving government. He's talking about leaving for the Biden administration. Yeah, he's not leaving government yet. So, and and it, I, I thought it was weird that Ron Kine would retire from Congress and then not retire, but he's fifty nine. So, in in a world of in, in the in the world right now that we live in, you have to work until you're like seventy five. I'm sorry, and isn't Ron Johnson trying to change the age for when you get Social Security anyway? Yeah, <laughs> trying yeah. to raise that age. But uh, in that world, Ron Kine's you know 59 he's got a he's got maybe a decade or two to work yet but in in reality like dude just could you could retire and just go i mean he's an outdoorsman you could just go hunting and fishing and 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 kick kick it like what are you doing yeah you know i i it's always interesting to see what members of congress do after they retire some of them become lobbyists some of them go into academia some of them go into business do any retire yeah (laughs) that's not retiring uh, maybe occasionally they actually retire (laughs) go go live in a cabin in the woods ron kind literally i'm guessing he literally has a cabin in the woods It, it is fairly common it's it's not it doesn't happen every day. It is fairly common for retiring members of a party to work in the administration of that same party. It's not shocking that this is what Ron Kind is doing because it's one of many possibilities that would be available to a retiring member of Congress. Well, here's the thing. This the whole, throws a wrench in my whole plan because, you know, for a while I've been trying to get a co-host 
just and Ron Ron was retiring. I was like, Ron, you want to come in here? Case you could be a you could be a political <laughs> pundit. You could be you could call. You could well, sit you're in the back. Well, you're a political cubby. junkie. He I'm, could be the he, former expert. Yeah, he could be my former expert. And and instead of you know going and working in the Biden administration, you could work in the Wisdom administration here and <laughs> and be part of a crosstalk. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> how great would it be every day Ron Kind with me? Could he do maybe a DJ shift on Z93, maybe, you know, introing well, the new Taylor Swift song? I think he'd do classic hits, right? Okay. Well, well, maybe he'd want to do, you know what? You know, as a as a Democrat, he'd probably want to get Z because he'd want to yeah. get those young votes. Those young whippersnappers. You got to get those young. Well, if, if, and if you, you get them young enough, then they grow old and they just affiliate with your party forever. All right, we got to take a break. I've never spent so long on a cranberry on a on an issue. <laughs> cranberries. We have more. Sarge texts it in. Cranberries are are so naturally tart that they have to be sweetened. Added sugar is probably their detractor. And Trigoski just fact checked this. No, not necessarily fact checked, Rick. But this was mentioned in the letter that Tammy Baldwin, Ron Johnson, and others wrote to the FDA trying to convince the FDA to continue to label cranberries as a healthy food. we got to stop calling it a letter. They sent an email. They sent an email, yeah. They sent an email. And then wrote a press release about how they sent an email. Yeah, working together. (laughs) Yeah. Look at us. We're holding hands. They say the body's response to sugars. This way. Okay. All retail workers have tuned out. Every retail worker that's driving home from work right now has turned this show off. I'm detracting listeners right now. I'm sorry, everybody that's driving home from work right now. They're thinking, it's Friday, I'm happy, I'm in a good mood, and then this GD song comes on. They've heard five times today, especially today. Probably like in November, they hear it five times, and then the week before Christmas, Mariah Carey, all I want for is you... Probably like 10 times a day. When my dad was working at a grocery store, he said that it was the Jackson 5 Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, yeah. That played over and over and over again. So I feel for all retail workers, there's that song that just makes them want to scream. But but what happens here? Like, did did it go from that Jackson 5 song to this Mariah Carey song? Maybe it did. Was there a middle song? Because like the Andy Williams songs, I believe I'm... I guess I'm guessing here came before Jackson oh, five. Definitely, definitely. So there was maybe an Andy Williams song yep. or a Frank Sinatra song. Sure. And then, uh, and then the Jackson five, uh, what was it? Here comes Santa Claus. Santa Claus is coming. Santa to town. Claus is coming Santa to town. Santa that drove Claus the retail workers insane. <laughs> and then what was the next generation? Uh, maybe it was wonderful Christmas time. Because Mariah Carey has taken that's nineties. Mariah Carey has taken decades here. Yeah. That's nineties. At least two decades, yeah, more than over two decades, yeah. right? Unless it was late nineties, I guess. I, I, you have the laptop, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's we need a new song. We need a we, new. We do. We really song do. to drive retail workers insane. <laughs> Who is it going to be? It has to. It can't be Taylor Swift. She would. It would have happened already. Maybe she just needs to sit down, focus on a Christmas album. And figure out what is the new Christmas song going to be? What is the successor to All I Want for Christmas is You now, as the Christmas song? You want uh, you want the song. Do you put out a whole album or do you just focus in on one song? Well, I think you could do both uh, because I'm assuming that Mariah Carey has more Christmas 
songs than just all I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, she has Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. I see that. A Joy to the World. Oh, Yeah, she has a whole album. And we know that Andy Williams has a full album, but there's only like two or three songs that we ever played. Is it like one of those things where you you only miss the shots you don't take and therefore you have Could to put be. out the album? You have to put I, out 50 I songs? So. I think so. And then people just have to find out what's the one we're going to play a bajillion times. And Mariah Carey's song is unique. It's her own, I believe. Oh, I, I'm guessing she probably didn't write it. Someone else probably wrote it. But the Jackson 5 song that your dad was talking about is yeah. not, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I doubt it that it was their song. Like originally. somebody, yeah, they, because yeah. all these songs are regurgitated. It's yeah. not okay. Who is the person that wrote Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer as the song? Oh, uh, yeah. Or Here Comes Santa Claus. Someone Puff. who's dead by now. <laughs> I mean, that guy is a trillionaire, right? Yeah. Like, if, or if, his estate is a yes. trillionaire. Yes. Um, man, who could it, like it? I don't, I don't pay atten- enough attention to music to yeah. know who could be the next. Who's the next Taylor Swift? Like, wow. This wow. would be a, a question for your wife, right? Like, she is she into music more you know, than you? Not, or? No, no. I, I mean, I I think that I I often wonder, you know, as Savannah grows up, our our eight now eight month old daughter, as she grows up, I feel like I am going to get great insight into who the next Taylor Swift is going to be because it's going to be whoever yeah, she wants to go see in concert. It'll be Taylor Swift. It might just be Taylor Swift again. Yeah. <laughs> or, or a very old Mariah Carey singing this song. You'll be you you'll be taking her to to this concert. Ticketmaster will charge you a seventy five thousand dollars in their unique new pricing scheme. Um, all right, we we've got Wait, five Rick, I, minutes. I, I've got to fact check. I've I've got to fact check this. This is so important, Rick. This issue about cranberries that the senators who wrote the letter to the FDA said that there is no difference between how the body responds to sugars whether they are naturally present in food or added to foods. So that's why they say cranberries can still be healthy even if you add sugar because well all the those... body's just like the body doesn't know if it is natural sugar from fruit or if it's added sugar. Yeah, and it's not the cranberry's fault that when we put cranberry juice in our apple juice, we add 10 grams of sugar for every 8 <laughs> ounces, right? Like, it's just sugar we're drinking. Yeah, that probably isn't we, helping the cranberry's case with the FDA. Well, I don't know. Is I don't, It's not the cranberry's fault. The cranberry is the cranberry. Do, do it's a little thing. Do we hold this against the cranberries, or do we hold this against the people have you who, ever, yeah. Have you ever eaten a cranberry? Just like Oh, it's really like, sour. You, yeah, I've never eaten one. I wouldn't recommend it. I had it. a bag of frozen cranberries in my freezer. You know how, like, it's just, and I think it's probably still in the back bottom area. And I'm like, what am I going to do with these? Like, they're frozen <laughs> cranberries. I'm going to, I think I, at one point I was like going on the health kick. I'm going to make real healthy shakes. Sure. And, and I, but I don't, I don't recall if I ever threw a cranberry in there. And I'm not even sure if you just bite a cranberry, is there a, there's got to be a seed in there, right? Or is it just. You or do know, you just eat it like a like a strawberry or something? I feel it's just not something that happens a lot where people just say, I'm going to have a bowl of cranberries. But the FDA has to base whether or not a cranberry is, a, is healthy based on the thing that falls off the tree, right? Or, or do they? Is it a tree? No, the marsh. It's not a tree. I'm thinking, that, why am I thinking? Oh, around, I'm thinking right? of a crabapple tree. I'm thinking because my neighbors are all these crabapple trees. But no, cranberry grows in a marsh. So yeah. I, I really have no idea. I, I have a friend that worked in a cranberry marsh, but I never went and checked it out because what does the cranberry plant look like? <laughs> I have so many questions. I'm going to be watching YouTube cranberry videos. Uh, this needs some investigative journalism, Rick. Well, I'm going to have to have Ron Johnson on next week maybe yeah. to talk about this. I just had Tammy Baldwin on uh, last, uh, yeah, a week ago. Yeah, I talked to her a week ago, literally today. Um, 
man, so I, I just don't know. Or someone with the FDA, or like you said, the the male, um, the like male a dietitian. dietitian, yeah, and see if they they can come down and tell us whether or not cranberries are healthy. <laughs> right before we should have figured this out before right, Thanksgiving. Right before we open that old jar and let it wiggle well, on out. I mean, of that cran- can. do cranberries come out during Christmas dinners? I feel I feel like they do, but they're just not a staple of Christmas to the extent that they are in Thanksgiving. We have all these goofy stories we never got to, and I think we can do these next week. But can we yeah. just do somebody suing somebody because they made a peanut butter sandwich and it looks like they're the the uncrustables? Are the uncrustable people suing a Minnesota sandwich shop for making what looks like an uncrustable? They are, Rick. They are, and as a native Minnesotan. Not only a native Minnesotan, but a native of St. Paul, Minnesota, where this company is based. I am very angry at Smuckers. They have those uncrustable sandwiches. I ate one this morning for breakfast while I was doing Hayes' show, literally. They say <laughs> that they sell one billion uncrustables per year. Right, and and there's a Minnesota sandwich shop that makes what looks like this round thing. Yeah, that's, just a round sandwich. And the lawyer that is is fighting for the small business that makes un, like what looks like uncrustables. It's Gallant Tiger. And he just says, yeah, the, there's only so many ways to slice a sandwich. It's triangles. It's you leave it the the way the bread looks, or you cut it cut it into an uncrustable a circle. There's you can't. There's only so many shapes you could cut a sandwich into. And they say that it's a different sandwich because it's much more upscale. These sandwiches, the ones made by the company in Minnesota, sell for five dollars and seventy five cents. They're made from different ingredients than the uncrustables, and ultimately they're just a more high class version of the crustless circular peanut butter and jelly sandwich those uncrustables are like 330 calories oh absolutely Let's talk about added sugar oh yeah if we're gonna do cranberry talk um maybe next week we do is jelly healthy there's no way the fda can classify uncrustables as healthy no way <laughs> well and that's it that's well can they what is uncrustable I, I that would I be is peanut butter so that would just be our peanuts healthy peanut butter peanuts right they are peanuts sure. in there but peanut butter is all added sugar as sure. well. So that's kind of the problem with the Uncrustables, with sugar, with jelly, with even with bread. The bread has got sugar in it. All right. Thanks, everybody.